I've been working on this for a little while, and it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And um, the Lord been talking to me. He says, since March, our nation's been turned kind of upside down and inside out, and uh, we've been locked down and locked out and, you know, things that we weren't used to be doing. In this country, we're not used to being uh, not able to go where we want to go, see who we want to see, and do what we want to do. So it's been a strange time for our country. Now, I do understand that it was for the betterment of our people. There are a lot of people out there that um, needed to be away from others because they're susceptible to the virus that's going on out there, and, and we do not diminish it in any way. But, you know, uh, it just seemed like, it seemed like the church's rights were being trampled on. And it caused the church to go into chaos. Now, we have a lot of preacher friends, and we still have a lot of friends that cannot open their churches because if they do, then they're breaking a law. And it's not really a law, it's a mandate, okay? But they see it as they're breaking a law. They can't, uh, they say they can't have more than so many people in a room at all times. Well, you see how we worked it out. We've got plenty of room. We've got people, you know, spread out, wearing the masks if they want to, not wearing them if they don't want to. Uh, you know, because we are diligent with God, he's diligent with us. We have this super soaker type thing that, that uh, uh, disinfects all of the chairs and the air and everything in the sanctuary. And uh, we have the littlest person that I ever saw manning that thing. Christina, stand up. Christina is so diligent about coming and making sure that everything is disinfected. Between services on Sunday morning, you see that little, little girl running in here, and she does it before service. She's here before the rest of us, and then she comes in between, and uh, she gets it all ready for us. So there are ways to get around things if you ask God about it. But it, it seems like fear has grasped our nation. It seems like fear has come in to the churches and have sat down on the front row. They're afraid of man. They're afraid of uh, sickness. They're afraid of disease. They're afraid of being a person just about anymore because the spirit of fear came in when the coronavirus came in and it took over our nation and so the churches have just been knocked out backwards um, the government declared the church was non-essential they had essential places, and I can understand it. Grocery stores, yes, you have to have food, although you can go on Amazon and get some, have it delivered to your front door. Uh, they, they have, you know, drug stores, home improvement stores. Now, that one has got me a little bit. But, I mean, you got all this time on your hands, let's do something, you know, about your house. Okay. But the church was non-essential, the church was not necessary for the communities to thrive. The devil is a lie. Amen. The pastors were non-essential. People didn't need them. After all, they're just a figurehead. You know, they don't, they, they don't do anything. Well, you haven't followed my husband very far. My husband didn't stop when we, were, when we were buckled down and told we couldn't do it because he has a phone. He has a computer. He has ways of reaching out and touching people. He has ways of staying in contact, although some of the other pastors hadn't thought about that. 
And they've just kind of been sitting there and the people been hanging out. Um, but then we look and, and, and I look at news feeds sometimes. I don't look at most of it, but if you notice, there are so many people committing suicide during this time. While the churches were shackled, where are the places that there was hope extended, where there were places that people loved one another and uplifted one another and said, come on, you can do this. Jesus wants you to do this and we're going to help you do this. They were shackled. And so the hopelessness of the whole situation went out across the country. I've been seeing the earth empty out of people of all ages. I was looking at, I love um, uh, NCIS, and I was watching an NCIS episode, I think it was yesterday, and there was, there was a man that they brought in for a short time and then they took him out. Good actor. Uh, he played a, uh, a British man that had been on loan to uh, NCIS here in the United States over in Washington. And I really liked him. I liked his character. I saw, I think it was a week, maybe two weeks ago, he died. He was 38 years old, and he died. What is this? i tell you what it is. Pastor Barclay said two years ago that the earth was going to empty out and that there would be high-profile people leaving unexpectedly. And those words just keep ringing in my ears. And the people of the United States did not understand that the church was supposed to be on the front line of this thing. Science and doctors are good in their own field, but the church has to battle the spiritual battles. Always with an illness, there is a spirit that goes along with it. And if the church is gagged, then the spirit has its run. And so they said that we were non-essential. Well, then, then they said, okay, they are essential. Well, that's kind of like letting the horse out after it's already made a mess in the barn. If you know what I mean. But um, so I saw Christians and the church was just in chaos. They were turned upside down, inside out, not knowing where to go, how to go. People saying this and people saying that. And, and this one says you can do this and that one says no, you can't do that. And this one says, oh yeah, you can. And, and you're just standing there going, Lord, you give me the directions and I'll do what you tell me to do. You tell me how to do it. We had, when we were on lockdown, we had um, one particular person I'm thinking about that when pastor and I would come in to do the services that would go over the internet because we weren't allowed to have anybody in here, we still had one person sitting in here that said, they're not telling me I cannot go to church. And thank God he was a doctor, so he had a reason for being here. <laughs> yeah, I looked out and Dr. Fryer sitting there all the time. Well, Greco said, you know what? They ever tell you that again, I'm still going. I'm sitting on the front row. You know, we have to have that tenacious feet, that, that thing about us. Like, we don't care what they say. We've got to have God. We've got to have him talking to us. We've got to hear from him, not just from ourselves, because when we read for ourselves, sometimes we get the wrong interpretation. We'll go, we'll go to, to looking for ourselves, and then we'll hear, oh, so-and-so said this about this. Well... Well, sounds right. Bible says sometimes things that sound right to us ain't right. We have to watch out what we're doing. I want to go to Malachi 3. And, you know, I, I can hear the groaning over the Internet. Oh, she's over there. I'm not going to preach on money. 
A lot of people, um, they, they, they say, oh, Malachi is the, the money chapter. Oh, no, uh-uh. You got you to start. I'm going to be uh, going out of the New Living Translation. Malachi 3, verse 1 says, Look, I'm sending my messenger, and he'll prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, said the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, they, he, he said he's coming. He's coming. What have we been saying? He's coming. He's coming. I've been hearing he's coming. He's coming. But you look at the times. You look at the Bible where it says these are the, these are the, the signs of the times of his returning. There's not a whole lot left for those signs. We are not in the last days. We're in the last minutes. But we're, we're comfortable with sitting at home and not going to his house, not doing what we know we ought to be doing. He's coming. Malachi said it. Jesus said it. Paul said it. Who else do you want? Jesus said it in Revelations that he's coming. And he's not a man that he'd lie. Verse 2, but who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. We are in the days that we need to have some bleaching going on. We're in the days that we need to hop in the fire a little bit and let some of this crust burn off of us. We need to have some of the world that has stuck onto us and we started believing and we started receiving and we started acting and we started talking and we started walking just like they did. We need that stuff burned off of us. We need to be in the fire from the inside out. We need to start the fire again. We have sat down and let the fire go out. Oh, I still love Jesus. Oh, I still pray once a week. Oh, I still read my Bible. Maybe. I got so many other things I got to do, though. You know, you just don't understand. What happens if Jesus says he's got other things to do whenever you call on his name? Three says he'll sit like a refiner of silver burning the dross. That's all the gunk that, that's there. He'll purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. It says that he's going to clean up the preachers. I think he needs to do some cleaning up of some preachers. I've been seeing some preachers going by the wayside, some that have been talking um, part Bible and part world. Let's put it like that. They are called deceivers. They are called teachers that have nothing to teach about. And I've been seeing some of that coming around. So he's putting the, he's putting the fire on the preachers. He needs to burn some of that stuff off of us. He needs to get us redirected. He needs to get us to where we don't care what you look like when we tell you the truth. If you like it, fine. If you don't, go to him about it because I ain't the one that said it. Pastor is the, is the cheerleader, and I'm the prophetic. Prophetic means I come out with a baseball bat and I slug you because the cheerleader hasn't been able to get through to you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough that when I see things on social media that should not be and has your name attached to it, that my heart just sinks in my chest because I know you know better. I know that you think better. I know that you live better, but you agree with something that should not be. We need to continue to keep a watch on our mouth, keep a watch on our minds, keep a watch on ourselves. And just because you're friends with somebody don't mean that you have to agree with them. What happened to being able to be friendly to somebody and disagreeing with them? Why is it that you hate somebody because you don't agree with them? 
It's because we've let the world into our lives, and we, even though we don't really know that we're doing it, it comes out. That's how the devil works. He sneaks around, and he gets, he gets down in, and you don't even know he's there until it's come out. What, what, what happened to we're supposed to love everybody? We don't have to agree with everybody, but we're supposed to love them. I don't like a lot of people, but I love them enough that I don't want them to go to hell. If I don't like people, I'm not going to stay around them, but I'm not going to call hell fire down on them either. They got to work out their own salvation. What kind of salvation would I have if I was, if I was always calling hell down on somebody? I'd be calling it down on myself. Because sometimes I get pretty ugly. And I have to stop and say, that's not me. Where'd that come from? As my husband said, put your hand over your mouth and shut up. Sit down and be quiet. You don't have to respond every time somebody says something. Go off and say, Lord, you know that I did not agree with that, but I am not saying anything. I'm not starting a fight. I'm not going to go that way. I am not going to do it. You deal with them because they're yours too. The church would not be in chaos if we would act like that. Verse 4 says, Then once more the Lord will accept the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem as he did in the past. You know, it's got so even now. Some people ought to be ashamed of what they bring God. He don't even get leftovers. He gets scraps. He gets scraps of time. He gets scraps of, of worship. He gets scraps of money. But we're always standing around wanting something from him. We have learned that he is a sugar daddy. And because he says, my words, my promises are yes and amen, then we say, okay, you owe it to us. No, he doesn't owe us anything. The Bible said it is our reasonable service to serve him, to obey him, to do what he tells us to do. It would not be hard. It would not be grievous because he'll never tell you to do anything that you can't do. You might not want to. But you can do it. Be easier the next time. Five says, at that time, I'll put you on trial. Hmm. I'm eager to witness against all sorcerers and adulterers and liars. I'll speak against those who cheat employees of their wages, who oppress widows and orphans, or who deprive the foreigners living amongst you of justice. For these people do not fear me, said the Lord of heaven. He says, when you start doing like I want you to do, you start cleaning yourself up, you start acting right, you start talking right, you start being right, you start finding out what it is in his word that he wants you to do. What is expected of you to do? It's, it's, I think that... that Everybody, or a lot of people, <clears throat> feel like they have to have a calling on their life before it's ex anything's expected of them. After all, you know, I'm just human. Well, he was just human too. And he didn't do the things that you want to do. He didn't go the places that you want to go. He didn't look at the things that he, you want to look at. Well, now, Pastor, you know, there's no, there was no television back there, and there's no Internet back there, and no social media back there. No, but he could get into as much trouble back then as you can get in now. He'd have had no problem whatsoever. From what my imagination is, and I, you know, everybody has their own imagination of what Jesus looks like. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what color he is. I don't care what color hair he is. I don't care if he's short or he's tall. I don't care if he's fat or he's skinny. 
He died for me. I owe him everything that I have and ever will have. But I imagine that he was a rather nice looking man. He didn't have to worry about money. He had people that took care of him. Plus he was a carpenter and carpenters made good money. So, I mean, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been anything for him to been able to guide a woman off the street somewhere. He had lots of Christian ladies following his ministry and paying into his ministry. Okay, I'm going I'm to hit that one. Why is it that some men and women who are anointed of God and have a following think it's all about them. You know, there used to be people, and I'm sure there are now, they just haven't had the nerve to come around me and say it. But there used to be people that that would talk about how good looking my husband was and how... uh, uh, kind he was, and and he was just, he was just, they just swoon. I was not being ugly to my husband, but I told him, I said, sweetheart, you are all those things that they say, but it's the spirit of God in you that draws them to you. It's not your personality, which he's got a great personality. It's not his looks which he's, he's good looking. It's, it's not that he has all that money because he doesn't. I hold the purse strings. I always said little Sally short slip better have some money because you don't. We had this little girl come in one time And she was quite smitten with my husband. She brought in, and people wonder why I hate this instrument, she brought in this tambourine. (laughs) Most of the time, people with tambourines can't play them. But she had this tambourine, and she had all these long ribbons on this tambourine. And she'd just play it and make it a complete spectacle of herself running along the front of the church. We didn't have very many people in the church, so I wasn't allowed to say anything. So we were talking. I was, I was talking to some women, and uh, mom had broken away and was, was uh, I think Rachel was small at that time, and uh, she was getting Rachel ready to go home, and she overheard this young lady say, You know, I just love him. He can put his shoes under my bed any day. Bless my mama's heart. Where do you think I learned some of my stuff? She went over and she tapped her on the shoulder. And she says, honey, she said, you see that blonde woman over there? But she said that big blonde woman over there. I was pretty good size. Still am. And she said, yes. She says, before he puts his shoes under your bed, you're going to have to meet her. I don't think you're going to want to. Needless to say, the tambourine and the ribbons and the boots whipped. But I told him, I said, honey, it's, it's the spirit of God drawing them to you. It's not your personality. It's, it's not... The human, it's the inhuman. It's the spirit. Because the Bible says the spirit draws. Amen? So he says, I'm going to start putting people on trial. When you decide to do like you're supposed to do, then he's going to defend you. 
He's going to find the liars and the cheaters and the people that have offended you and the people that have, have hurt you. And he's going to defend you. You don't have to defend yourself. Why people think because you're Christian, you've got to defend being a Christian. That's just who you are. That's part of you. He said, because they don't fear me. They don't know me. They don't respect me. They don't know what I can do and will do for you. Amen? Six says, I'm the Lord and I do not change. That's why you descendants of Jacob, which we still are, are not already destroyed. He has shown mercy upon the United States for how long? Why? Because the remnant is here. We are holding back the forces. We are standing our ground. We are on the towers looking to see which direction the devil's coming from. And because we are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he will not destroy where we are. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my de decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He said, you've become disobedient. You've not watched what you had to say. You've told things on me that weren't true. You uh, made excuses for things that I said you should not do. Now it's time to turn around and come back. Pastor said a few weeks back, he said his word for 2021 is return. Return. I believe that I'm going to see the doors open and the ones that have been wayward and the ones that know how to be what they're supposed to be returning to him and standing firm on his word and becoming the army of the Lord that he decreed us to be. We were drafted into an army when we became Christians. The army does not sit down and whine and complain and bellyache. He said we were fearful, not, not full of fear, but to be reckoned with. He said we were awesome. He said we were strong. He said we are determined. He said we will stand and fight. And when there's nothing else to do, we're still going to stand there because we know that he has our back. He has our front. He has our flanks. He is above and beneath us. We are protected by him. We have forgotten that he is our shield and our buckler. We have forgotten that he will take up our cause. It's time we remember who he is and who we are in him. Pastor's been talking about watching our words. Let's start declaring who we are. Let's start declaring what he wants. Don't say, oh, well, you know, that was back then. No, it's now. Now faith. Not yesterday's faith. Not yesterday's fire. Not yesterday's healings. Not yesterday's miracles. Now faith. Let's get back on our now faith and come out of this chaos. The church does not need to be in chaos. We need to be put together so when the others start coming in and the return starts coming, we're ready for them. Then I'm going to drop down to the rest of, the rest of uh, verse 6 says, but you ask. Hmm. Somehow or another, when we ask, we ask dumb things. You reckon? He says, but you ask, how can we return when we never have gone away? Apparently, we have. He wouldn't tell us to return if we weren't gone. We think we're fine. 
We think we're rowing our boat just fine and haven't figured out that we've gotten into the current and rowing against the current and we've been floating all down down the road. He says, get yourself in gear and get back up there where you were. When you do, I will be here waiting for you and I will return to you all the things that you've missed, all the things. You know, how many, how many uh, uh, children have we said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever come back. Well, shut your mouth. I have a promise. I will stand on that promise. He said, me and my descendants will serve the Lord. And I will not allow anybody to say anything else around me. I don't care what it looks like. I'm looking with the eyes of the Lord. I'm looking with the eyes of the Spirit. I'm looking over things that that seem to be. I'm looking at things that are not as if they are because they will become. Let's drop down to 13. It says, you have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here we go. But you say... What do you mean? What have we said against you? Hmm, Let's see. What have we said against the Lord? We have said he's weak. We have said that he doesn't do what he says he's going to do. Have we actually said that? Our actions have spoken louder than our words. Hmm? We've said, well, it really doesn't matter uh, what... The Old Testament says, you know, that was centuries and centuries and centuries ago. And, you know, even the New Testament, that's so outdated. Have you heard that? That's outdated. The Bible is outdated. That's what's being taught to our children, that the Word of God is outdated, that it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Whatever. How have we said terrible things about him? We've said them by our actions, by our agreements, by our nod of the head when we should have been said, uh-uh, oh, no, 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 mm-mm, not me. You have said, what's the use of serving God? Have you heard that one? What have we gained by obeying his command or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins. What have we gained? I'll tell you what you've gained. You've gained a reprieve. You've gained a pardon. You've gained a life forever, not in a lake of fire. You have not gained hell. Oh, is there such a place as hell? Well, my Bible says it is. In Revelation, it says that the devil's going to be bound up and and he's going to hell, but then they're going to take hell and throw it in the lake of fire. So what have you got to gain? What have you got to lose? From now on, we'll call the arrogant blessed... For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Sometimes it looks like that, but it's not true. Looks are deceiving. I was always raised to believe half of what you see and nothing you hear. Now it's everything you hear and all that you see. Our earthly eyes and ears are deceiving because our brain cannot comprehend that it's not what it's supposed to be. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about uh, the honor of his name. Do you understand that when you come before the Lord God Almighty and you stand before his throne of judgment, nobody else is going to be standing there with you. You can't point your finger and say, so-and-so made me do that. Well, you know, that preacher said, 
That person said, no, you better start learning now that it's all your fault. Because he's going to say, well, let's look at it. No doubt. He made technology, so I imagine there'll be something showing about like that for all to see. All your stupidity, all your arrogance, all your sin that you thought was hidden. He says there's a scroll of remembrance every time that you witness to somebody, every time that you speak kindly to somebody, every time you invite them to church. Are we inviting people to church? Okay, let's, let's pump it up a little bit more. Every time you do anything that God has instructed you to do, it's written in that book of remembrance. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's army. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasures. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. He said, it doesn't matter what comes down the pipes. You're not going to be affected by it because I will have you hidden in the rock. I will have you under my wings. I will have you in my protective armor. You will not have to fear what man will do because it will not touch you. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. These days are coming. These days are going to be during our time between those who serve God and those who do not. And we're going to go on into Malachi 4. says, the Lord of heaven's army says, the day of judgment is coming, burning like a fire in a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. All these talking heads that are saying there is no God, there is nothing to what the Christians are saying, there is nothing in the universe but what I have said, there's nothing in the universe but what science has promoted. Where do they think they got the science? They came up with a theory of evolution, okay? They came up with a theory that we came out of sludge. They came up with the ideas that are so ridiculous. If you think about it, and I've said it since they started teaching evolution when I was in school, my teachers hated me because I'd always say that's a theory that's not a fact. If it was a fact, we would see half of something growing somewhere. And we don't have any of them. I don't care what kind of man you say evolved out of this, that, and the other. Right now, all I see is men and women who's always looked like they look. So all of these talking heads will be judged for all the idle things, and they'll be judged for every person that they turn away from the Lord. On that day, they'll be burned up like straw. They'll be consumed, just like you put a pile of brush out and you set fire to it. It'll all go away. It won't be like the burning bush that Moses saw. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Are we ready for some more healing to be taking place? We're seeing it. You know why we're seeing it? Because we believe it. We speak it. We trust him for what it is. And you will go free, leaping with joy, like calves let out in pasture. Have you, seen, have you ever seen the little things where they, they let like uh, calves and ponies and little wild animals, they let them out in the pasture and they kick up their hind legs and they're just doing all kinds of stuff out there? I love to watch that. I love to watch the little goats play because they can kick and jump and, and do all that. He says that um, 
We will go free leaping with joy. With joy. Like calves let out to the pastor. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord. All these people that's causing you problems, all these people that's calling you names, all these people that are, are uh, making fun of you, they're going to be like dust under your feet. Now, we don't get arrogant about that because we had nothing to do with it. It's all God. He said it. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. And believe it or not, we are part of Israel. We may have been born in America, but we're, we're Jewish. Amen? We have been grafted into the Israeli nation. And he says, remember to obey. What laws is he talking about? He's talking about the Ten Commandments. What is that anymore? The only one that most people will throw up in your face is you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And if they feel like you are shunning somebody, if you disagree with somebody, they'll sure throw that, well, I thought you was a Christian. You're supposed to love everybody. And you want to say, well, I know you're a heathen because you hate everybody. <laughs> Lord, shut my mouth. <laughs> Y'all are lucky that I have tempered some. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Hmm, where are we now? Our children are running like wild donkeys. By the time... They're three or four years old. I've, I've seen, and, and you know, I'm a, I'm a great-grandmother. And I was raised up like the old folks used to raise you. So when I see a little one sass his mama, I just want to reach out and touch somebody. <laughs> I want to touch the baby first. Then I want to beat the mother. Because she's not raising that kid right. I don't care what, the, what the, the world says about how you're supposed to raise your child. If you do not give them consequences for their errors, they will never say that they ever did anything. They'll not own up to anything. How many people have we got in prison that didn't do the crime? And they did. But they still say, I didn't do, well, you know, it was so-and-so's fault. I wouldn't have been there if they, hadn't, if they hadn't dragged me in there. Hmm. The fathers and the children's hearts will be together. Now, we may be looking at a bit of a curse on the land right now. I mean, that's what the virus is right now. It's a curse. And until we stand up and start revoking its uh, license to be here. And I'm not taking light of it. I understand. But every sickness and disease comes under the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. So we don't raise it up above everything else. We recognize it for what it is and we call it down. We recognize that demon that has been let loose in our cities and we call him down. We pull the strongholds down. But a church in chaos can't. We are not the chaotic church. We are not in chaos. This thing has caused us to be stronger and Bolder, and with me, it's meaner, because I don't care. 
If it's against what my Bible says, I don't care. If you like it, fine. If you don't, fine. If you don't like me, okay, that's fine. Because the only one I have to worry about liking me is him. And when he likes me, he brings like people around me. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4 says, I'll stand my watch. Now, this is what I want to encourage everyone to do. I'll stand my watch and I'll set myself on the rampart. I'll watch to see what he'll say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. It is so difficult to bring correction to the body of Christ. We become offended. We become um, picked on. They must have seen me do that or they wouldn't be saying that. No, God saw you do it. And God talks. That reminds me of something when, when uh, Rachel was a teenager and she was kind of young. She kind of liked this young man. And I was in my, in my room, and at that time I had a rocking chair, and I was sitting in my rocking chair, and I was sewing. And she came down the hall, then she went back down the hall, then she came back, and I said, hey. She said, what? I said, you like so-and-so. And she just came to a screeching halt. She said, who told you that? I said, God. She couldn't, she couldn't fuss with that one, but she did. He told me. Why? Because he wanted me to watch. He did not tell me about Jason. <laughs> that one was a surprise. But you know what? That has been the best surprise he has ever, ever given to us. Love that young man. Verse 2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on the tablets that he may run who reads it. That's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to make it plain to our people. You know, we could stand and use big old long words. William has two doctorates. Two. Both of them earned. So he can, he can talk big talk like the rest of them. He chooses not to because what do you understand when there's people in, in our congregation that don't understand that? I'm one of them. You break it on down for me and I'll understand it. And I can run with it. And I can do what it says I can do. But if you use all this mumbo jumbo that some of these people want to use, there are people sitting in the pews of the churches that don't know a thing that that preacher said. Not a thing. But they were in church. And they spent their time in church and they gave their offering and they gave their tithes. But they're as lost as a goose in a snowstorm because they don't understand what God wants of them. He just doesn't want your butt sitting in a chair. He just doesn't want the money in the pot. He wants you to understand him, know him, love him, respect him, obey him. And if those preachers don't break it on down for some of us, we just ain't, ain't got it. But God's not going to say when you go before him, you didn't do this, this, and this. Well, I didn't understand. God's not going to take that for, for an answer. He says, how many translations do you have to have? Watch the translations. Make sure that they line up. But there are translations that break it on down. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. I used to hear that when I was in, in, in Sunday school, when I was small, the preacher would say, 
Just wait for him. Just wait for him. But you're supposed to suffer while you're waiting. We didn't know the promises. They hadn't been taught the promises. They were taught to tell Bible stories. They were taught to say, you know, you can be strong like Samson. Well, Samson sinned and it cost him his life. You can be courageous like David. David flopped all over the place. He was, he, he was as good as he possibly could be, but he made so many mistakes. Why? Because the people, the, the preachers of that time did not go to him and say, King David, God does not appreciate that. But we were all supposed to be like them. So that was giving us license to do things we weren't supposed to be doing. Write the vision. Put it on the wall for everybody to see. Write it on your life so that the people that see you understand you are a man or a woman of God. You are one that will stand up for righteousness. You are the one that don't ask me to go to those bars because I ain't going. Don't ask me to go out tipping the life, uh, what is it, tipping the lights fantastic. You don't want me to tip any lights. Mm -mm, I got two left feet. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The, the way that I live my life, they know not to ask me stupid things because they're wasting the breath. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but he shall live by his faith. You'll see him come and you'll see him go. You'll see people a lot of times in churches, you'll see them rise up real quick and then they fall out and they're no longer there. Why? Because they weren't on God's faith, they were on their own faith. We have to learn to live by his faith. Amen? Psalms 85, 7 and 8 says, Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. That should be on our lips every day. Show us your unfailing love and grant us your salvation. Help me get through this day. Help me do the things that I'm expected to do this day. And then tomorrow I'll ask the same thing. I listen carefully to what God, the Lord, is saying, for he speaks peace to his faith, faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Just because God is speaking peace doesn't give you license to do stupid stuff. Just because things aren't happening bad in your life right now doesn't give you license to do things you know you're not supposed to be doing. He will speak peace to his faithful people, but don't return to that foolishness. That's why we encourage people when they get saved, don't go back with the folks that you came out of. Don't go associating with the people that you associated with. Why? Because they were sinning just like you and they hadn't stopped. And they've been sinning a long time more than you've been praising God. So we, we encourage them, don't go back there. Don't do those things anymore. And uh, it's hard. It's hard for them to turn their backs on the friends that they thought they always had. But those friends weren't friends. Those friends wanted you to fail so that they'd look better than you. Those friends did not enjoy when you were raised up. They wanted to know why they weren't. They never said it to your face, but they sure said it to your back. Matthew 16, 15 says, then he asked them, I love this one, who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus to you? Is he a teacher who lived centuries ago? You know, I've heard that. Well, you know, uh, he, he was in, in, in history, he was a teacher. Was he a historical figure? Some say he wasn't even that. 
Was he just a good guy? Everybody liked? Apparently they all didn't like him because he got crucified. Why? Because he stood up for what God told him to do. He showed light on sin and darkness, and they didn't like it. Anytime you, you've got growing up, we lived in houses that were apartments. And if one apartment got bugs, they traveled. And so one night you might be getting up and you turn the light on and there's all these creatures and they're scampering for the dark. Hmm. Was he just a good guy? Everywhere he went, he was doing good. Everywhere he went. Even to the places that would not accept him, he still tried to do good. Pastor said that Sunday. Is he a rebel rouser who opposed the religious leaders? I used to like that, Jesus. My preacher friends didn't like it too much. I would tell my pastor, I questioned. I was very, I was nice about it, but I just didn't take everything for, you know, I wanted to be seen and hear what this was. And so when I would, when I would ask questions, I got thrown out of Sunday school. I got thrown out of Sunday school for asking questions. The church taught that they were the only ones going to heaven. And I said, where do you get that? Well, we're all of one, we're, we're of one fold, and I don't even know what they said. And I said, so when I get to heaven, are there gonna, is it going to be a big hall with doors on each side, and one says Church of Christ, and one says Baptist, and one says Presbyterian, and one says Episcopalian? And then you choose which door you go into? Oh, no, they won't be there. I said, so you're telling me that we're the only ones that God loves, that he died on the cross just for us. I can't agree with that. They said, you're a troublemaker, get out. I said, you know what? I'm in good hands because Jesus was a troublemaker too. He questioned the authorities. He stood up for what he knew was true. And they didn't like it. So was he a rabble rouser? Oh, yeah. I loved it. Mama didn't like it too much that I couldn't go to Sunday school anymore. But after all, he did call them snakes, liars, vipers. I loved it. Try doing that to some people sometime. Or try to tell somebody, you are of, of your father the devil. That's what he said. Tell me if he's this, the one and only son of God, the holy one of Israel, the answer to all of our questions the guiding light in the darkest nights, the quiet voice that soothes the troubled soul, the voice of reason when our reason is gone, the hope of the future, the peace when the storms arise, the attorney that pleads our case, the lamb that was slain before the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the savior that's returning to his own, the judge sitting on the throne to judge the world, the everlasting King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who he is to me. That's who he is to the church. That's who he is to the world that should be known. Don't follow the leadings of the chaotic church. The one that is more interested in pleasing the flesh than pleasing God. You will not last long here if you don't think your toes aren't going to be stepped on and it may be a butt kicking every now and then. And if you can't take that, you need to move on. It's not out of, out of um, anger or spite or anything like that. It's to say you're out of line. You need to get back in line. Get soldier, get back where you belong. 
You left a vacancy over here. Get back where you belong. Don't let anyone persuade you to leave your church if you believe that God has placed you here. It's amazing to me how people come and say, oh, I know God put us here and we're never going to leave. I put their name on a list and I put the date down. And then I start watching their giving because the first thing that goes is their giving. And then there's no one here. They left. They didn't bother about telling us they were leaving. They just left. They got upset about something that nobody knows, but about 15, 18 people that they shared it with and got persuaded that we were wrong and they were right and they left too. Do you know... This next part, don't leave your covering. Your church is your covering. If you've accepted the, son, the man of God of this house as your pastor, he is your covering. He is responsible to see that you're, do, you're, you're done right, to see that you're okay, to see that people take care of you. And when you go out from under that, it's going to be hard finding another one like it. You can go to the bigger churches. You can go to the people that's got more of what you want, but they got less of what God intended for you to have. Don't listen to the disgruntled and offended Bedouins. Now, Bedouins, we learned when we went to, to Israel, were like gypsies. Um, they were wanderers. They had no place to call home. You would, we would be out. We went, we went out to the desert and we were up on, up on this hill. And, you know, we were looking, uh, over the valley of, uh, Armageddon and we were looking out over Armageddon and all of a sudden I turned around and out of nowhere, nowhere were these people that didn't come with us with all this stuff to sell. We never saw them coming. We never heard them coming. They just showed up. Our bus would pull up somewhere. There'd be nobody in sight. By the time we got off the bus, there's all kinds of people wanting to sell stuff. They were wanderers. They had no route. We were, we were riding a bus and, and we were going, going down the road and I looked over and there was, there was a camel standing on the side of the road. And there was this guy laying under the, the belly of the camel. The camel was shading him and he was taking a nap. That was a Bedouin. He was a gypsy. He was a wanderer. He had no roots. So don't let offended people who act like Bedouins unsettle you. Their history is... I'll be here, and then I won't like something, and then I'll go over here, and I won't like something. I'll go over here. They won't do something for me that I think they ought to. I'll go here, and I don't like the way the preacher dresses. They're constantly trying to find something that will line up with them, and they're not going to find it. They're just not going to because they left the covering that was designed for them. And the bad thing about it is a lot of times they will not return to the covering. Pride has set in and they're too proud to come back. They're embarrassed by things they said and things they did and thinking that the church wouldn't take them back. We're a church. We're a hospital. We desire to help people to find their way in God. Don't leave your covering. And, and I'll close with this one. There are a lot of good pastors out there, a lot of good preachers out there, and sometimes you have to leave because we're in a transient city. We understand that our people get 
get stationed elsewhere, and, and they have to go off. But you would be surprised how many of our people are still connected to us, even though the, the army moved them off. And they'll, they'll write back and they'll say, you know, we have been looking everywhere. We cannot find a church like Faith Outreach Church. Why? Because it's their church. They took ownership of the church. No other church will feel right. It's like you get a pair of shoes and you break them in and they feel just right. They're all comfy. But then you get a new pair of shoes on and they don't feel good. And you're having to go through the breaking in again. You have to go through the, oh, my feet hurt so bad. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because they are not your comfy shoes. They're new shoes. And sometimes there's shoes you ain't supposed to be having on your feet. I would be very dumb to wear shoes like some of our ladies here do. I'm past that one. I used to wear stilettos. I used to wear the big high heels. And I used to be okay with it. But now, uh-uh. I'm not stupid enough to think that I could stand in those things, much less than walk. I know where my limitations are, and I don't mind it. Pastor's always telling you how old he is because he knows I'm older. <laughs> but he doesn't dare tell you how old I am. And I don't mind it because God has granted me a good life. And I'm not at the end of it yet. He has not said it's over. You know, you know, the old saying used to be, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Well, I ain't sang a note yet. <laughs> Amen. Stand up.